Today's episode is so good. I learned so many things about what it is like to be in a gay relationship and be two women and struggle with infertility. It was just really good. Today we are talking to Katie and Chelsea about what it feels like to be going through infertility and also be gay. And there's so many things that, there's so many parallels, there's so many things that we talked about, so many things that we learned. Um, I think I have this picture in my mind, right, of Chelsea... Going to Home Depot, or I think she said Lowe's, going to Lowe's, and she's pregnant, and she just wants to buy some stuff to fix up her house. Someone asks her about being pregnant. She talks about infertility. Then she says, yeah, you know, my wife, and then now more questions and more questions, and everyone's investigating and just trying to figure her out, and it feels like, can I just go and buy a ladder at a home improvement store so I can get back home and do what I'm doing? Um, It's it's already difficult to to deal with infertility. It's already, it brings a lot of attention. People have a lot of questions. Right. And then to be going through that with your wife and to be gay is just another level of questions, another invasion into your privacy. And I think something that I learned as being in a heterosexual relationship is we could have told no one and done IVF and had no questions yeah. if I was pregnant. Like, no questions. Yeah. And when you are in a gay relationship and you are pregnant, there is just automatic boom, boom, boom. You're outside of that typical situation. Right. And that was really eye-opening to me in this episode. And it was just really, really good. They're so, they were just so vulnerable and transparent. And it was really good. So like we I don't want to waste any more of your time. Yep. We just want to get to our conversation with Katie and Chelsea. So here it is. Enjoy. Well, thank you so much for being here. We are so happy to have this conversation and happy to have you. It, you can't. That we're, we're looking at Katie and Chelsea on Zoom right now, and it's the most beautiful, picturesque background ever. We wish we were there with you. <laughs> Welcome. Is it because I'm in it? Or? Yes. Or yes. It's all. It, all you're, of it. you're matching. It's like it's just perfect. <laughs> Katie, Chelsea, thank you so much for being here. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about who you are, and we can jump into some questions. Chelsea and I have been married for almost five years, but together for almost 10. Um, We are a long, long long time. time. Yeah, (laughs) it's a long history. Um, (laughs) Probably why we match our kitchen and each other. Um, We are proud moms to our almost seven week old son, Brixton Otis. Um, So if you hear him cooing, that is that's where it's coming from a baby. It's not not us. Perfect. Um, And we're just really happy to be here today and to engage in this conversation with um, you two and to just be a part of this. So thank you for inviting us and opening up this space for us. Absolutely. We are are honored to have you. And this conversation has been a long time coming. Many of the listeners of this podcast, many, many, many people in the infertility community or going through treatments are gay. And that is a specific way to view the infertility community, right? It's like a lens that you have that not only are you going through infertility, which is the major thing, not only are you a human, which is the major thing, one of those small lenses, or it could be major lens, is this way of kind of experiencing things. And we're just so glad to talk about it. Um, And 
see from your perspective what that's like. Because if we're all about talking about infertility and feelings, I'm sure there are feelings attached to that and we want to know what they are. Mm -hmm. Uh, Which brings us really to something that we think is really interesting uh, is the beginning of infertility in your life, right? For us, we grew up thinking we would have this giant, huge family. um, And it was... How long do you think? Probably four or five months until we were like, oh, something is wrong. Something in the trying. We were like, okay, we are dealing, I think, with infertility. Um, and I, I think knew something was wrong from the beginning. So yeah, if that's a trick question. <laughs> Jesse was like, but we're just talking about fertility. Jesse right? was like, yeah, 12. yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I'd actually love to know that too, because Jesse, you've always said too, you just knew something. It, you yeah. knew there was mm-hmm. going to be a problem, yeah. which I, which yeah. is more well, common than than I think. Yeah. I know people say it all the time. So when we got our diagnosis, it confirmed it for me. Yeah. I was like, mm-hmm. I knew it. I knew it. I knew something was wrong. And I, I can't necessarily put my finger on why I just had this feeling, heart, soul, mind, body, whatever you want to call it, that I knew something was wrong. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you can take us into that moment for you in your relationship, um, when was that moment when you went, I think we're dealing with infertility? So Chelsea and I entered into our relationship together, knowing that we wanted to have a family and that we wanted to be moms. Um, how that was going to happen, we weren't a hundred percent sure, but we were like, okay, we both want this, and that was yeah. a, a big attraction for both of us, actually. Um, when you were dating, or when you got married? No, dating. Dating, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We grew we grew up with a lot of kids. Okay. So that was like on the forefront. Yeah. Okay. Can I ask you a question? Just even as you get started in the when yeah. you were dating, getting married, were was it really? uh, clear to you, the, all the pathways to having kids as, as a gay couple getting together, getting married, was it like, oh, okay, this is what everyone does. We know exactly what to do. Or was that well, a I heard about confusing? the turkey baster, but that really wasn't my, um, <laughs> my choice of path to get pregnant. So it was like, Hey, there is a turkey baster, but we are definitely not doing that if we can avoid that. So yeah. we didn't really know. I didn't think I, really I think knew we knew some exactly. of our, yeah, I think we knew some of our options, but something that we've reflected on since, cause we've had a lot of ups and downs, a lot of emotional turns through this process. But something that we chatted about is, unfortunately, we didn't really have any role models or mm. individuals who could kind of walk us through this and talk us through it. There were a lot of things that we did that, looking back on it, we wouldn't have done um, yeah. in hindsight. So um, we kind of knew what our options were. We knew that we had two ovens, which was a great thing. And we knew <laughs> yeah. that you could also adopt or foster to adopt. Um well, and I, and I had two aunts that did IVF, but this is back in the day. Right. This isn't yeah. recent. So I did know that there were other steps besides just sure. IVF, IVF that you could do. I just didn't really know what that looked like. And we like. also knew we needed the sperm, right? So we right. didn't have the sperm. So how would we come about that? Would it be someone we knew? Would it be yeah. an anonymous donor? So it was donor? a riddle. Yeah. Well, what, think, does it, yeah. what does it feel like to begin your relationship with that? You know, and, um, you know, having to have those conversations, having to navigate that without role models, what does it feel like to be in that position? Um, well, I think for us, we like adventure and we like new things and trying something different and being in a, a space that is unknown. We kind of thrive in that environment. Mm. So we weren't like scared. Yeah, I think at the beginning we were yeah. excited for sure. Yeah. Like, what mm. are the options? Is it common in the gay community when you are getting together and dating to talk about kids? And is it also common in the gay community to want to have children or is it uncommon? 
So I would say it is common to have the conversation. We have friends who are very sure that they don't want kids. And Mm -hmm. so going into starting relationships, they're really upfront about that. Because if you're with someone who wants to have kids and you don't want to, then you're really setting yourself on a, on a journey of heartbreak, essentially, because if you're really committed to the relationship, but that's that one piece, then you might always have resentment of not fulfilling that desire to be a parent. Right. Um, so my experience, and I didn't have a ton well, of experience. Well, plus there's no oopsies. So like you yeah, have, to, have be to be planned, right? Yeah. So there's oh, no like, oh, my yeah. husband doesn't really want to have a child, but maybe if I go off my birth control and he doesn't know, like we'll have a kid and he'll love him. Because right? we right. can practice, but nothing's going to come of it. <laughs> right. right, exactly. So like, That's a good <laughs> right. point too. It's, it's, um, it's not a... There's no oopsies. I like the I like the way you said right, that. So you have to yeah. be intentional. Yeah. So like, if you want to have kids, you have to have that conversation. Yeah, and, you can't and put it off. In right. my experience, and in my and the friends that I talk to about this, it's one of the first things you talk about. Oh, um, yeah. Just because it's it's one of those things that isn't going to happen easily, mm-hmm. and yeah. that you do have to put thought into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And what was that like between you guys? Was it an easy yes, or it was easy? Oh yes? yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was an easy yes. And it, we're so naive, right? Because we also grew up thinking you kiss a boy and you get pregnant, right? Right. <laughs> Not really, but essentially we're well, the I went to Catholic school, so yes. So yes, that, is, that is what she was taught. <laughs> that was exactly but, how it was put forward, yeah. Yes. Right. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Essentially, and if you get too close dancing and not leaving space for Jesus Christ. <laughs> yes, or the Bible. <laughs> the Bible. Right. Oh, hell is great. The Bible totally. needs to be in totally. it. <laughs> but I think, you know, growing up, and, and I'm sure you all agree, and probably those listening, we thought it was so easy to get pregnant. Yeah. So it's like, oh, I, I have this thing that I want to do, and it's going to happen next month, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah, I, I, I think it's... Uh, we yeah. always knew we wanted kids. We had a lot of children in our lives, so mm-hmm. it was like something we really did want. Um, we didn't really know how we would go about it, when exactly we would start trying, things of that nature. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me, because like, we knew it would be we just assumed like it would a be task. Easy. It would be something to right. do, mm-hmm. but we didn't anticipate it would take As long, long as it time. did and the challenges that we right. faced. Yeah. So you know that you know, you're coming together with that sense of intentionality, which is really awesome. It's kind of a gift. Every couple should come together with that same type of intentionality yeah. um, of saying like, this is what we want from the get go. And this is kind of our expectations for our kind relationship. Like when people say I'm dating to get married. Yeah. Like yeah. I'm doing this for an end goal of X, Y, and Z. Right. right. Yeah. Like this is when I think of my future, this is involved. And that's a really, that's mm-hmm. a kind of a gift to be able to unite around that. Um, and, and knowing that, okay, a sperm donor is going to be something that's in our future um, but, but beyond that, you know, that's easy, right? Like once we get involved with a sperm, we kind of get all the pieces that we need, boom, it's going to be no problem whatsoever. Is that, was that your experience? Uh, where did you go into it thinking like, well, it'd be easy. You kind of plan this thing out whenever we want. We're going to get pregnant in March so that we have the baby and, you know, whatever date or, yeah. or what was that moment where you went, this isn't as easy as we thought it was. Well, I think yeah. that was kind of a who we made it such like a spectacle the first time we tried to get pregnant, mm. right? Yeah, I think Chelsea and I assumed it would be really easy, and I thought I was going to be extreme happening first, first time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I assumed I was super fertile because my mom. It was really easy for my mom. It was really easy for my grandma. So I'm like, oh, and I and I could track my period. I knew when I was ovulating. I could feel it. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a sense in me that felt it was going to be easy. But then I agreed there was a sense of me that kind of went, I don't know. Like, I'm not, I'm not sure. Like I would get these feelings. Um, so we started with IUI 
Mm-hmm. And um, long story short, we tried five times. The original clinic that we were with had me on um, Clomid and a lot of stimulant medication yeah. uh-huh. that caused cysts. And I had at oh, 1.7 cysts that I was carrying around that they thought maybe were cancer. So oh, then I had wow. to go and get tests to see if they were cancerous. And then on the fifth try when it didn't succeed and Chelsea and I just were so heartbroken because each time you get excited thinking like, this is the time. Totally. We looked at each other and I said, something's off. We need to switch fertility clinics and there's something that's not right. So we switched fertility clinics and I went through IVF, um, had an egg retrieval got an infection. Oh, no. uh, the infection reared its ugly head right when COVID struck and everything shut oh. down. So I was in uh, the hospital on the COVID floor for 12 days because uh, my body wasn't responding to the antibiotics. Oh, I guess I'm resistant yeah. to a ton. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it was probably one of the most challenging and scary times. Um, what did that feel and like? And in that for you? What did that feel like? What were the emotions Um, that were going on? Yeah. So, uh, I think I was septic, so I was really, really sick. So I couldn't, yeah, it was wild. So I think there was a part of me that didn't even realize what was going on. So there was a lot of processing afterwards. Um, plus it all hit at the, like when she went into the hospital, she was obviously very sick. Like I was carrying her into the ER, um, because her body was just shutting down and we didn't really know exactly why or how and things of that nature but then as she was in the hospital on lockdown on the COVID floor is when we found out that none of um our embryos were healthy right so it just kind of like is layer on layer on layer on layer all at one time one of those things right just one of those things going septic alone is is a lot Chelsea what was that like for you what did that feel like for you Oh, I'm a control freak. So, and I'm also extremely protective. So, um, if it wasn't COVID and they were telling me not to go to the hospital, I probably would have dressed in all black and like snuck in through some black back door and like dressed up like a doctor, (laughs) like done some crazy thing. Um, so it was horrible. I like, I had to give myself like checklists every day. Like I have to do this and text this person and Oh, today I'm going to clean the garage. Tomorrow I'm going to clean the garage again. And I'm going to organize this and do that because you can't yeah. go anywhere. Right. So you're yeah. on lockdown. I didn't want anyone to come into the house because if anyone was sick and she came home, that would be detrimental too. So yeah. I was kind of quarantining myself. Um, and, and I think not Chelsea recognized. Keyword try. Yeah, try. I think Chelsea recognized how sick I was. And so there was a lot of fear there for her so when we would talk she would be in tears and I'm like I I don't like I can't I can't hold that right now because I don't even know what to do with it because I'm so out of it like I don't even know what's going on so I think and also I had a weird piece um, about me that I was going to be okay but I don't think Chelsea experienced that same piece and so it was really hard for us to do both and and hold that for each other for me to hold her fear and for her to hold my peace that I was going to be okay when she's like okay we're on day seven and there's still no hope that you're going to get out anytime soon you know you go into fertility treatments to hopefully grow your family right to get pregnant Um, and we've noticed from the people that we've interviewed, sometimes the thing that we're going to, to find hope, to find really what we're looking for, this future that we can have, it doesn't only 
disappoint, it actually hurts us, right? You know, we end yeah. up worse off than when we started. Did you feel that way when you when you find out the eggs, uh, the the embryos don't mature, or they didn't didn't survive? Now you're septic. You're in, now you're on the COVID floor. You're like so this much. thing that I went to <laughs> to find hope is just, it beat me up and kind of spit me back out. Um, take us into what that felt I, like. I would even say like there was there was so much like build up hope and then letdowns throughout the entire fertility process. Yeah. Not even just like the unsuccessful transfers. Um, but IUIs, you mean? Yeah, yeah. IUIs. Um, but lack of care, lack of help. And it, it was, it kind of felt like it was like this constant thing, right? So then when Katie gets hospitalized and then we get hit with the last leg of it with the um, unhealthy embryos and things like that, it was just like, okay, this is the tip of the mountain. Like yeah. we've hit blow after blow after blow after blow. Like how many times could we get, you know, slapped across the face to keep going? Right. Yeah. What did that feel like? I think, um, Again, I, I will go back to, I felt peace in it because yeah. okay, yeah. I knew we would be parents some way, but it wasn't going to be through me. But I, you I, also had like intuition, the same as you said, where yeah. you were like, <clears throat> when someone said like, oh, this isn't working. It's like, aha, like I, I knew it. Yeah. And Katie kind of always would say little things like that throughout the whole process from start to finish. And I'm just not that kind of intuitive person. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, oh, if we just work harder, if we just try harder, if we just spend more yeah. money, if we just drive, you <laughs> yeah. know, 300 yeah. miles instead of the 20 miles, we'll get an even better doctor, which will do better things. And um, Totally. Yes, so I'm totally like that. I was like, yeah. well, yeah. this didn't work. Well, how do we go overkill and just... We'll do, totally. we'll get, we'll have three doctors at the same time all o arguing yeah. over what treatment is the best. And, you know, I just was like, yeah. pour everything on it. And if I'm, and Jesse yeah, was yeah. like, no, what are you doing? And if I'm being honest, I feel like you looked at me like when I had that, like almost aha, I knew it and almost like a peace about it. I felt peace. I mean, obviously we didn't have the same situation, but with my fertility, it's like, mm -hmm. I almost yeah. felt like peace. I felt like you were feeling I was giving up. Yeah, I did feel like I wasn't matching. That's so weird. I wasn't matching your yep. energy. Yeah. I was Thanks. like, I'm actually okay because from the time I was 16, I actually thought this was a problem. Again, don't know why. Yeah, but yeah. so I had That's had so years. Weird. I had had years of like thinking about this and processing this, and I feel like you were like 17 doctors. Yeah. Let's do shots. Blah blah blah. blah. Uh, and there's a lot of similarities in that. Really? Yeah. So yeah. Talk You've, about that. Oh, and yeah. it brought up, but oh, it yeah. brought up a lot of resentment. I think yeah. that we went and worked through therapy before we had this little one and started her process mm -hmm. because I felt, I felt like I wasn't being heard that it was my body that was going through this for three years. And that mm -hmm. when I got sick and when the embryos weren't healthy and when the doctor said, Katie, I don't think this is a good idea for you to do again. Mm -hmm. And I was like, all right, I'm on board. Like, I'm not going to keep putting my body through this. And Chelsea's like, no, we can't, you can't give up. We well, got to keep like, going. Wait, wait, wait. Let's let's discuss this later. Like, let's figure that. Like, one thing at a time. You know, yeah. like, let's right. figure this out. But again, I'm someone like very similar to you, where it's like, well, okay, one doctor told me maybe don't do this. Okay, right. I'll find ten that'll say yes. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I can confirm what I want. Right. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And it was interesting for us to be on different sides of it and to be experiencing it and feeling it so differently, mm -hmm. but yeah. still wanting the same result and still working towards that. And so 
I think for us, it was one of those things where we processed it and we were like, okay, I need to process my feelings and my resentment and my feeling of this is my body that can't take it anymore. And Chelsea has to process the fact that she really dreamed of me being pregnant and she really dreamed of me giving us a baby and seeing that baby that looked like me or behaved like me. I mean, those were dreams that she had. I never said the behave thing. I just said, <laughs> I didn't see the yeah, you she likes my looks, not my behavior. <laughs> yeah. Looks, face, good. Personality, <laughs> that's so funny. Oh, that's so funny. Um, it, yeah, that, that's yeah. so interesting. I think, yeah, there's that sense of um, we have to look at what we're, the life we're really living. We talk ab- about that at Uniquely Knitted a lot. We talk about that's that that's something that's really hard to do is we're really searching or, or racing for this life that we want to have. But at mm-hmm. some point you have to look around and go, well, this is the life that I'm living. How do I live in right. this one? Cause this is the one that I'm in. Right. 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 So right. Talk to us about the transition to now you're grieving. You went to therapy. Okay. Yeah. You're a piece about it. You're Chelsea more coming to grips with it. And then what yeah. was it like to transfer over to you? Figuratively well, and literally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Um, well, I think it, it, so through therapy, it took me a little time to like realize what I thought I was doing to help a situation. I was actually making it worse. Mm-hmm. So sometimes as a partner, right? Like we play our roles. So like my role is to be like the go-getter and um, basically just keep hitting your head against the wall and something, you know, eventually you'll break yeah. through the wall, you know? Right. And then kind of having an, my own aha moment where it's like, oh, wow, my wife didn't need me to beat my head against the wall and try to break through it. She needed someone just to say like, okay, cool. Yeah. You want to stop trying? Like, that's totally fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I thought I was doing what I was supposed to do, but in actuality, I was doing the opposite. Um, so once we kind of figured that out and I released the pressure from you, cause I think that felt like I don't know. Oh, I could breathe. Yeah. yeah. Like I'm not looking to do something. Yeah. You get to just whatever be. Right. Um, then actually it was when she was in the hospital or just coming, just coming out of the hospital. Wow. It's all such a blur. So I had to ultimately have surgery and they took my yeah, tubes and had to remove infected cysts. And this was like six or seven months later. Yeah. Okay. So we get out of that, um, out of that. And then six days later is when we had our first or our second transfer for her. Okay. Um, so our timeline was so insane. Cause it was almost like, so once she left the hospital, um, after being sick before surgery, it was kind of like, okay, I need to at pass least, the baton. Yeah, it's your turn. It's my yeah. turn. Mm-hmm. So once I realized that that was a no go, like, obviously it's going to take us time to process, but we want kids. We want them tomorrow. So we need, I need to, that's my way immediately. Right? So like, Hey, I got to do something now. Yeah. Um, so that was a piece I got to control. So yeah. knowing that it was really easy. I think within days I was in the doctor's office getting a check to see what my count looked like. And that same a, a day later I started like medicine. Yeah. And then she was so, um, Chelsea was blessed and she, she produced a lot of, um, eggs and um we got a lot of embryos out of her and they were all very healthy so totally different experience from mine um what was that like for you katie was that hard to to see her i don't don't know if the the right word is flourish but to really succeed and go oh gosh this is going so great were you like what the hell you know was that hard for you or 
Or was it almost relieving? Yeah, no, it was definitely relieving. I'm not someone who gets jealous. So even when we, we weren't successful and friends were getting pregnant, I was like, oh my gosh, this is such a blessing. Like you yeah. get a child. This is so great. So that was always my outlook. And honestly, I would just look at Chelsea and say, I am so grateful that you didn't have to go through any of these challenges. I'm so thankful your body was just made to do this. And that is such yeah. a blessing. And, and not everyone has that. that. We don't have to do this again. Yeah. Because it's so taxing yeah. on a relationship and a marriage. Yeah. To go yeah. Gay, straight, doesn't matter. Infertility yeah. is so, so taxing emotionally, financially, physically. physically. Mm. So I think it was also like, oh, wow, finally. Like we see a light at the end of the tunnel after yeah. so much um, struggle. And mm. I have to say one of the nice things is that I had already gone through it. So I knew what she was going through. Oh, and so yeah. I could support yeah. her in a way that maybe um, in a straight or heterosexual couple, you wouldn't be able to. And it's not for right. lack of want from the, right. the male partner, but you don't know what it's like to get the shots. You don't know what it does to your brain and your emotions yeah. and your body. And so I thought that was also a blessing that yeah. I could I just understand. thought of that. It gave me more perspective too. Yeah. Right. So then it's like, oh, hey, that's totally not what you yeah, needed like, oh. when you're feeling like you're crazy. Yeah. Like, oh, oh this is what you were going through. You wanted, yeah. <laughs> confirm that's that why you wanted to stop this. Yeah. Okay, I so, love that. Yeah. Gosh, right. it's so that is a beautiful yeah. thing about your situation is you knew exactly how she felt and what was going, what, what she was going through. That's yeah. beautiful. And that we had two of us to be able to like try to do that. Yeah. We're yeah. so lucky because we recognize that that's not the case for all couples. And if right. the woman can't produce her side of it, then, then what, right. Mm. Then, I, then that's a whole nother conversation. Literally yeah. when you said tr like transfer the baton, I did, I had a little bit of like, Oh, that is really awesome. Like I yeah. would have loved yeah. to be like your turn, yeah. you know, and <laughs> you know, with the shots, I've never thought about that before. I would yeah. die to see a man's jaw just drop. And he's gone like, okay, you're I'm sorry. What? Yeah. Let's start with say? the first shot. Bend <laughs> over. Let me give you the trigger shot in your booty. Like, you know, you know, what's so funny is it's not a direct parallel at all. So don't hear me say that. But what I felt like when we, so we adopted, when we went mm -hmm. from fertility treatments to adoption, I actually did feel a little bit of a baton handing over mm -hmm. of like, wow. okay, can you go figure this out? And I was like, yeah. yes. And I almost like yeah. took the reins. And like, was like you, Chelsea. It was like, was oh, like, this is I'm my next gonna, mission. I'm going to figure this yeah. out. So I really burnt myself out in an unhealthy way because I was like, mm -hmm. well, now it's my, it's up to me to solve this problem. We want right. this family. I'm going to make it happen. So there in a weird way was a baton toss yeah. or baton passing. I almost feel like Chelsea, I can identify a little bit of like, okay, here we go. Now it's my turn, you know, oh, now, yeah, now, yeah. now I'm on. Um, Gosh, I never bit. thought about it that until that point too. And until you just said that it was kind of like that because I We're was having coming revelations out of everywhere. This is ding, ding, yeah. ding. but it's like, I never thought about it that <laughs> way. I was a therapist, guys. <laughs> yeah. Boom. How much do we owe you? Yeah. Okay, perfect. Um, I, I've never thought about it that way that yeah. I was so done. IUI, IVF. Mm. I was so almost ready. Like I almost passed you an invisible baton yeah. and because I wanted a baby so bad. And I learned years later in therapy that I had that, you know, that that's what I wanted. And I thought mm -hmm. adoption would solve all my problems and solve all my fertility mm -hmm. issues mm -hmm. that I really did. And I never thought about it until now that I kind of gave you this baton and you know, you, I feel like felt like, okay, it's my turn to make this happen. And we really made a lot of mistakes 
because of that. Yeah. Um, when it comes mm-hmm. to adoption. Did you feel so. relieved when you gave them the baton? Yes. Imaginary yeah, I yeah. didn't realize again until this point, but yes, yeah. I did. I felt a lot of relief of like, kind of like in my mind, subconscious. It's like, okay, it's your turn, go find it. Yeah, yeah. you yeah. know, and, and it's it's the well, it's all consuming. Infertility is right. all consuming. So I think totally. especially when it's your own body, um, but it's even like the, all we talk about. But yeah. I think even the emotional piece, because it sounds like Jess, you were passing off that emotional yeah. like baton to say like. I'm done. Yeah. I'm going to sit yeah. on the sidelines. Yeah. I'm going to breathe. You figure it out. You get yeah. to figure it out. It's almost an, totally. emotion, an emotional burden that you're taking off and saying, yeah. can you hold this emotional burden? Yeah. yeah. And that's what it felt like when Chelsea was like, yeah, I'm ready. Put me in coach. I was like, I think it was the first time in almost five years that I could breathe huh. and that I didn't feel this pressure that I was the one that had to produce this for our family. Mm-hmm. I was the one that had to go through all of this. And at the end of it, I was going to give us this miraculous embryo that was then going to, you know, be our dream child. Right. But I do a caveat to that though, too. I know for a lot of same sex couples, both partners don't want to carry. Yeah. So we're blessed that we both want to, you know, I do want to say that because like there's some, Mm -hmm. there's, there is, you know, a, a lot of same sex women couples that only one wants to carry and the yeah. other one doesn't feel like it's something that they want they to ever want to do. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, in that same instance, it is very similar to a heterosexual couple where if one person is infertile and can't do X, Y, and Z, then that maybe might, that's the end yeah, of the road. That might be the mm-hmm. end of the road. Yeah. Never thought about it that way. You're right. It's so true. It's always uh, a personal choice. It's always something that you feel like you have to be willing to step into. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and yeah. for me, I mean, like, it wasn't something that I thought I was going to be doing like right now in my life. I yeah. really thought I was going to, you know, watch my wife get pregnant and do all those things. And I got to we get to dig deeper into my career and like blow this up and do this and this and this. Yeah. Right. And then eventually on the second kid, maybe I'll have a kid. Right. Um, so it was very like, oh, okay, so that's oh, not my turn. It's, <laughs> and it's all about it. I don't know. We do this in every single section of our lives is like we picture what we want to have happen um and we do everything in our power to make it or will it to be um and so it was like the first time i think in my life where i sat back and i went okay so it's not gonna i can't will this to happen i just have to like throw it up Mm -hmm. yeah and that's that that um ability to to grieve that the life that you're living the reality that you're in isn't the one that you drew in your journal 10 years ago, you know? Right. And there is a sense of, you know, it's, it's not wrong to grieve that and go, well, I didn't want this to happen. I didn't want to be in this position. But if, if you can learn to sit with it and face it, then you can start to actually just do anything with it instead of reject it and try to move past it. Yeah, that's interesting because I think I, I felt for so I'm a very positive person. And so I felt that I had to remain so positive. And I remember one day Chelsea and I were driving home from the beach. And for whatever reason, I think because when I'm by the ocean, I feel the most connected. And yeah. so uh, we're driving back and all of a sudden my grief hit and everything that I had gone through for the last five years and especially through the COVID season and, you know, my hospitalizations and all that, I literally just started crying. And it was like, and Chelsea looks over and she's like, are you okay? And I'm like, I I think I'm finally feeling, and and it's not, 
it's not that it's all sadness because I'm also really hopeful about where we're headed, but it's yeah. like my body finally processed. Yeah, it's like you just took out the plug. Yeah, it was like I like processed the, the trauma and I processed the grief all in that one moment. Yeah. And it was really wonderful and also exhausting. <laughs> I'd love to transition and talk about um, just being in the infertility community and also being gay, right? You're a couple, you're married, you're like, let's do this. We're, we're gonna um, uh, get pregnant and we're gonna have this family. And then all of a sudden you run into infertility troubles. You're also coming f to this whole situation from a perspective of, we have our, this lens on in our glasses of we're a gay couple and we know that we're entering into this space. Take us into what that feels like. Take us into, you know, do you, did you, were you thinking about it when you were with the doctors? Were you thinking about it when you're telling people that you're doing IVF and that you're struggling? How did that aspect of who you are impact your experience of going through infertility? Um, I would say at our first clinic, I didn't feel seen as a gay couple. Um, I, I don't think we were honored in that way or given the experience, even though that was their specialty and they were known for it, oh, wow. we didn't get that feeling. Um, like nationally? Yeah, nas <laughs> internationally yeah. known for it. Um, Explain what you mean by you didn't feel seen. What, yeah, what do you mean? It was like they didn't quite help us connect the dots about how our journey and experience would be different and how ours um, wasn't the same as someone who um, had the sperm and had the egg, but then just yeah. needed the help of science, right? I also didn't feel like we were individualized. I felt like we were a number who they were just pushing through. Um, and I don't know if that's because we were two women to, or- I think a lot of that number piece has to do with finding a facility that works best for you. Yeah, because yeah, maybe right. that was a great facility for others. When we switched to our now facility, the doctor was so amazing. Mm -hmm. He spent um, two hours with us with our consultation, started the entire conversation by asking us what our pronouns were, yeah. how we wanted to be addressed. Which I'll be honest, I was a little Chelsea by doesn't that. get I the like, pro. I, I was like, we're we're now. So what else would you call me? <laughs> <laughs> so I love that. We've worked through that, and there's been a lot of education on that part. Yeah, we're getting yeah. there. Um, but you know, it was one of those things where, and then he said, you know, he said, "Who wants to carry? Have you thought about both of you carrying? Yeah. In which order does that going to happen? Or do you, um, Katie, want to produce the um, embryo and you, Chelsea, carry? I mean." Literally the wow. most kind but these are and thoughtful question we had not really heard. No one yeah. had ever asked us that. So no one had. When you said at the beginning, like, how do you know how you're going to get pregnant? Do you know how you're going to, you know, tackle this process? It was kind of how many years in, like three years in, where someone asked us those questions where we're like, uh, oh, wow, yeah. you can go wow, down this options. avenue and then this avenue and then this Beyond avenue. what we thought. Yeah. Um, and it was just so loving and caring and we only saw the doctor. It was never that we were seeing a PA. We wow. were always with the doctor. Wow. Um, all of their forms were very um, supportive and inclusive. Um, which we have not inclusive, yes. inclusive. Yeah. not supportive, inclusive. Yeah. Thank you. I was trying to think of the word. Did you see that? Yes. I was like, it's inclusive. Which hasn't been the case, you know, when, when we were at the hospital and we gave birth and all those things, I had to literally cross out father on every single form. And mm -hmm. even at our pediatrician, I had to put, you know, no, not mother and father, it's mother and mother, you right, know? Yeah. Right. So that was never something that we had to experience. And so at our 
fertility clinic, which was such a gift. Um, and they actually helped us think of things differently. Mm. So what does that's, it feel but that's like, not everybody's experience. Yeah. What, what's True. it feel like to be at that first clinic and to feel missed? You know, I think a lot of people in the infertility community do feel missed. Um, yeah. and, and it's a painful experience. Did it, did it feel, what, what did it feel like to, you know, to be there and to, to think, oh gosh, they're kind of missing us and who we really are. Well, to me, it was, it was annoying. I was Chelsea pissed. Was pissed. I was yeah. pissed. Cause I'm like, I shouldn't have to tell you how to insert this damn thing. You know, yeah, right. like right. they, they should have a, they should have a file. It should all be docked, you know, documented. Yeah. Like they should know what they're doing when they go in there. Um, right. and we should never be asked if we're si- sisters or oh, did that like, happen? Oh no, 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 no. All the time. I'm like, we don't even look alike. Like, right. thank you. I appreciate it. But no, we don't even look alike. And I, but after a while though, it's like, just put it in the file, exactly. you know, like, mm. like, I'm not saying you need to like be these woke and aware people. I'm just mean like, take a note, like, put it on a post yeah. like maybe even in permanent marker on the top of the sheet, yeah. not right. it's a gay couple. Yeah. Gay, yeah. Couple. gay couple. You know, I think people's perspective is that, okay. Um, this, this couple, maybe they're thinking about you and they're like, they are on this like woke tirade that they want to just have everyone be so over the top. And is that, you know, I think that sometimes is a fear of someone who's from a perspective of like, well, I don't get what it's like to be gay and be going through infertility. What is it that they really want? And I, and I, what I hear you saying is not that you're trying to go on this tirade, but you're just saying, just see me as a person. Just, just understand who I am and what I'm right. going through. Does that sound And isn't right? that the basic thing we thing we all want? Yeah. And especially exactly. in this journey that can be so um, isolating. And even though we recognize that there are probably more people dealing with infertility than being able to just get pregnant easily, yeah. um, we just want to be seen. And each, each story and each journey is so unique. We might be able to empathize with someone, but I don't know what your journey was like. Can I say that, oh, we both had intuition or we both felt sadness or we both, of course, but I don't know how then that impacted the rest of your journey and your relationship as a partnership. Um, So I think that's just what we want across the board. And, um, and if we could all just face each other that way, whether it's at the doctors or interacting with one another, we would just be in such a better world. But I know that's not everyone's reality on a lot of same sex couples a question like, is this your sister could be very triggering Mm -hmm. for us. It's not like this thing that hits deep, you know, we just kind of go like, or make a note. Right. Um, but for so many people that we talk to that, it could be a devastating big thing. That's like a large Yelp review kind of thing, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. It's not about gay or straight, right? It's about the fact that this journey is so individualized to each couple, whether you're doing this as a single person who wants to have a baby. And so you're doing IVF or you're in, you know, also people are coming in super, super tender, super tender. You don't know if they're on day one, like we were, we got a hotel room and like, we made it this whole adventure, you know, we thought it's happening tonight. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Or your day, you know, 365 right. and yeah. you've been beaten down 50 times already and totally. you're hurting. Like, you just don't know. And yes. infertility is such a spectrum. Right. And if people in that medical world could just be a little bit more tender to the fact that people are so fragile sometimes when they come in. Totally. And yeah. most times you're Absolutely. trying to build your family. Totally. 
And then what's that? Take this, take us into even just Chelsea, you being pregnant and being a gay couple. And what does that feel like? And even just having the whole pregnancy and even giving birth and having a child, what is that like? Okay. So a lot of times too, when you're a same sex couple and one of you is pregnant, again, people think that this is your sister mm-hmm. and your husband is mm-hmm. like, oh, well, I'm a, a very, uh, do it yourself kind of person. I right. like to like, I do projects at home, right? Like we've been renovating this home and yes, I had a, a general contractor, but if there's something that I could do, might as well just do it. So yeah. I'd spend a lot of mornings at Lowe's early in the morning yeah, yeah. and people would look at me like your husband, let your super pregnant wife go to Lowe's. <laughs> you know, right, like, yeah, what a know. jerk that guy is, right, you know? Yeah. Um, and even someone commented on it once before too, like he, he let him, was like, yeah, she, he is a dick. <laughs> like he's a real, he's just sitting <laughs> on the couch at home. Right. Um, so th- there's definitely yeah. like, I feel like I need to explain every time my wife, oh, how did you get pregnant? How did you mm. do this? Which it becomes I know, very invasive. I, yes. Yeah. I, mean, I know it's right. like curiosity and people just want to learn. And I totally get that. Yeah. Um, but I don't feel the need to like divulge to everyone all the time. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so generally, like I, I just would stop correcting people and say my wife and I would just leave it as like whatever they think, yeah. whoever they think is at home waiting for me, you know? Huh. Um, that's so true. It didn't really change anything. I never thought about mm-hmm. that. Like, like, you know, being in a gay relationship and you are pregnant you say it and then there's an automatic caveat that you feel yeah. like yeah. people are just going to be an open invitation to be like, wait, what? Science. Yeah. And, you're, and I'm is. sure your followers in the LGBTQ like column would be, but like one of the first things people say is when you say you're gay or you have a partner that is the same sex, they, they automatically go to, Oh, I have a, a, a second cousin twice removed. That's gay. Yeah. Right. Like we need to find some commonality yeah. and right. it happens all the time. And it happens to almost everyone I know. Um, <laughs> and so the same thing just like goes through when you're pregnant, it just feels right. like it's even more invasive. Well, and I think what's interesting is that I'm an open book. So I'm very, if you go on my social media, you'll see that like, I love to share. I have no problem. I feel like in sharing our story, um, your story, you might connect with someone else, but Chelsea's mm-hmm. kind of private. And so I imagine it was even more invasive that you were the pregnant one receiving all these questions. <laughs> right. When Interesting. Yeah. Typically she'd be like, go pound sand. Yeah. I'm a private person. Well, actually, I think it was easier because if I had to tell my clients that um, we had a baby and then they'd ha- like have some follow-up questions why they hadn't seen me pregnant. In my oh, mind. that's true. I didn't um, think about that. So it was actually a little mm. bit easier. Whereas my yeah. work, it was easier. And people were like, oh, great. Yeah. Your wife had a baby. Fantastic. Which is not yeah. a secret. Like my employer and like all of the people that I work with know, but I do outside sales. So I'm constantly making calls and going different places. Right. And again, I try not to make my own personal life the focus of conversations. Yeah. Um, so because of that, I just kind of let their imagination. Yeah. I think it's, yeah, I think it's anytime something falls outside of norm, whatever we call the cultural mm-hmm. norm mm-hmm. for better or for worse, people want to try to understand it or identify with it, or it's just hard to know what to do with. Um, same thing, you know, yeah. when we talk about, oh, we, uh, we adopted or, or even we're going through infertility, you get the, oh yeah, my brother uh my brother knew someone at work who went through infertility you're like okay i'm not sure what you're trying to do here and then the, i think the painful thing and like what you were saying is that it feels invasive is you almost feel this burden to attach a story to just your reality you know 
not only mm-hmm. is like I'm pregnant and it's like, oh, I can't believe your your husband let you come to Lowe's so early in the morning. You're like, well, <laughs> well, okay, now I have to tell you a story because I fall outside of what your norms are. Typical. Totally. You're typical. And yeah. that sucks because you're just like, I just want to enjoy this like process yeah. and mm-hmm. I don't want to have to feel like I'm the educator and the, um, you know, the person to make you feel the advocate. Yeah. More woke. Yeah. You know, like the poster I, child for yeah, a gay pregnant. <laughs> the goal for all of us, I think, is not to lump people into categories or to think that everyone is like us. Really, the name of our nonprofit is Uniquely Knitted. And that first word really is on purpose is that every individual story is unique. Every person is unique. And if we approached humanity with this sense of wonder and um, interest about who they are as an individual, how are they expressing themselves? What do they like? What do they not like? How are they experiencing their relationships in their life? I think we would be um, op- more open to a different expressions of just living. And I, and I think that's what we need to be fighting for is all mm-hmm. of us coming together, coming to the table really at an equal level of saying everyone is worthy to be here. Everyone's story is unique. So instead of just assuming a bunch of stuff, let's just start talking to people asking them how they're feeling, asking them about their relationships and what they're going through and allow them to bring themselves to the table. And we don't have to fill in all that information for us. Mm. We're so grateful. We're so grateful to have this conversation (laughs) with you. You're awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone that we interview, I'm like, you need to be a reoccurring guest. I just want you back more and more. Um, There's so much more to keep talking about. But Katie, Chelsea, thank you so much for being here and having this conversation with us. Thanks so much for having us. The Infertility Feelings Podcast is put on by Uniquely Knitted, an infertility nonprofit. Our mission is to help heal the traumas of infertility and end the isolation that so often goes with struggling to conceive. If you've enjoyed this episode and want to support more work like this, you can find out how to donate at uniquelyknitted.org. If you're struggling right now and you need community, you're encouraged to go check out our course, Building Resilience. It's a program for those dealing with infertility, dealing with miscarriage, pregnancy after infertility, and how to cope with all the painful experiences that go along with struggling to conceive. We would love for you to join a group today. Thank you so much to our generous donors who make all this possible. And we'll see you again next week for another episode on the Infertility Feelings Podcast.